Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Good morning. It is Thursday, January 4th, five minutes after 10. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So President Biden is going to deliver a speech on Saturday and in it, he is going to try and lay out the stakes for the 24 election. And guess what? He's giving the speech on the third anniversary of the January 6th events at the Capitol. No so, coincidence there. So he's going to try to give a speech. <laughs> right. He's going to try to keep A speech up. will be written. He's going to try to keep up. <laughs> With the teleprompter. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. How many times do you think he'll say the phrase, no joke? Over under three. Over mm. over under three times he says no joke. I'm going to say that's not going to be written in the speech. So if he does say that, it's an ad lib. But he always, that's yeah. what, my point. It doesn't yeah, matter. Off script. It doesn't matter what you put on. Mm-hmm. The How many times will he tell someone not to jump? That's always, <laughs> right. there's always a random thing where he'll look up in the crowd and go, hey, don't jump. Don't jump. <laughs> yeah. Or how many times is he going to whisper so that you know he's serious? What, what do you think life is like for a Biden speech writer? Mm. So if you were, <laughs> let's say you were a George W. Bush speechwriter. Mm-hmm. There were probably some challenges based on the fact that you know this guy has a little bit of trouble with the English language from time to time. Strategery. George Bush was not an idiot. Mm-hmm. He was an Ivy League graduate. All these people say George Bush was a moron or whatever. I'm not saying that. I am saying George Bush had a little trouble with his public speaking. So there was probably some level of, hey, he has trouble with these sorts of words or these words together, so you got to be careful when you're writing the speech. Obviously, Obama was an incredible, you write it on a prompter, he's going to read it, and it's going to be read better than anybody else in, you know, human history, right? Trump, I don't even know if they wrote speeches for him. Just let him go. Just just put words up and Mm -hmm. let him roll. Give him a direction, bullet points. But with Biden, you have... (laughs) You have no idea where it's Mm -hmm. going to go, where he's going to go, what he's just randomly going to start ad-libbing. Do you think uh, in the speech there'll be something about how his dad used to say, Joey? (laughs) Oh, uh, so the speech is going to try and cast Trump as a threat to democracy. And he has just released his first ad for 2024. This just came down an hour ago. And the theme is what is the main threat to this country? There's an extremist movement that does not share the basic beliefs in our democracy. All of us are being asked right now, what will we do to maintain our democracy? History's watching. The world is watching. Most important, our children and grandchildren will hold us responsible. The vice president and I have supported voting rights since day one of this administration. And I ask every American to join me in this cause. Okay, so he's going to deliver his remarks in Philadelphia near Valley Forge, which is a historical area from you, the Revolutionary War. You mean where a group of people engaged in insurrection to found the country? <laughs> mm. <laughs> what? Um, so what do well, we think? Will that be lost on anyone? That that's exactly what what Valley Forge was all about. What do you uh, What do you think of that campaign ad? I mean, it seems like he's literally trying to vilify half the country. I find campaigning fascinating because each campaign for president in my lifetime, the re-election campaign, because of the failures of the president himself, has 
never really been about the success of the president. So what I mean by this is, and it really is an indictment of not just the, our, who we elect as president, but the entire political climate in this country. Ronald Reagan's 1984 campaign was it's morning again in America. Mm -hmm. And the whole campaign was about we were here and we took it to here. And if you allow me to have four more years, here's what that bridge will look like to 1988. So from 1980 to 1984, here's where we're at. Here's how we fix the problems. Here's why the economy's moving. And if you give me four year, more years, here's what your life will look like then. Mm -hmm. It was a positive campaign. It was an uplifting campaign. And he won. the guy won 49 states. The only state he didn't win is the state the guy he was running against was from. And that was, was Minnesota. But there has not really been a campaign since then that was a re-election campaign that was about the accomplishments of the first administration and where we will take you mm -hmm. if you allow us to finish the job. So you think about uh, Bush runs in 92. He doesn't have really have much to run because he lied about taxes. The economy starts tanking. The feel-good moments of the Gulf War have long subsided. And he kind of runs against Clinton being this radical governor from Arkansas, and he loses. Clinton has triangulated out of the disaster of 1994, the scandal plague 1994. There's scandal on the horizon with the whole Lewinsky thing, which was later be brewing. That court case had already started that it centered around. And wasn't that a foreshadow of there what we'd see today? There wasn't a whole lot of positivity, although Clinton Clinton could stick his middle finger in your face and make you feel good about it. So he, But the actual campaign itself, it was about the radicalism of Dole, the Republicans, et cetera. Uh, Bush runs against... Uh, Gore. Mm -hmm. Gore can't really run on Clinton, mm -hmm. so he runs on Bush being an extremist. Bush wins. Bush ruins everything, gets us in <laughs> multiple ill-begotten wars. His whole campaign is John Kerry lied about being in Vietnam and threw his medals over a wall. Nothing about what Bush... I can't tell you a single solitary thing George Bush campaigned on for his re-election other than he was going to reform Medicare and Social Security. He stayed with that for about two weeks and then got off that and it was just just four awful years. Obama runs on hope and change. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. The re-election campaign. Romney's a radical. He wants to push grandma. Literally, the campaign was he wants to push your grandma off a cliff. Trump, I don't even know what 2020 was about, but there certainly wasn't wasn't a vision for the country. It was battling about who would screw the country up worse for well, the next four years. Well, Joe Biden ran that he was the great uniter, right? So, and so, here he is talking about division, hate, and violence. I mean, he his campaign now is, I'm not Trump. Exactly. So this is my point, is it's not going to go well if all the votes are legally mm -hmm. counted for mm -hmm. Biden, because that has, of the past 40 years that I've laid that out for you, the only time that has, I mean, it has worked in the sense of like, George W. Bush got reelected. Bill Clinton got reelected. Obama got reelected. But he is not he is not those guys. Obviously, Clinton and Obama had politi a political skill set that we may have never seen in the history of this country. Uh, Reagan may be the only person that is, plays on that level in terms of being to, able to deliver a message and no matter how ridiculous the message is, make people feel good about it. But even Bush, because it was a wartime president and the Republicans did a phenomenal job of convincing you that you were going to end up in a mushroom cloud if you went away from them, was able to get past. I'm just saying, it's a, 
it is not Joe Biden is not somebody who inspires you Mm-mm. to his message. He needs the facts to be on his side. And they're and the, not. And they're not on his side. The no. country's a disaster. Yeah, the facts are not on his side. His communications director is saying that if Trump wins in November, uh, they will use all of their power to systematically dismantle and destroy our democracy. I mean, that's what they're talking about. Biden's campaign message is that if you don't pick me, we're doomed. And... People are are looking at things that they deal with every single day, like when they go to the grocery store, and they realize that that's not true. Yeah, don't you think that? I mean, you're you're probably. I think it's safe to say you're you're a more open thinker than I am. I think uh, you're more. I, I I'm saying moderate, but I'm not saying this in a bad sense. Mm-hmm. I'm saying I think you're more open to hearing all sides, and mm-hmm. I think you're I think you're more in touch with where the average person is maybe than I am in the sense that you have just recently come into this world. I have been stained and ruined by political (laughs) talk for many years. Mm -hmm. But I think the average person looked at January 6th and said, wow, that's probably not what America is. And I hope we can turn away from that. But they didn't spend every single day since clutching their pearls going, oh, my gosh, if Trump were to somehow be back in power, I think after about six months, people moved on from that. People were like, "Okay, you're not fixing anything either, amigo. Mm -hmm. And those people who did anything are being arrested and the country is still moving as it always is moved and the states are still states and the federal government is still operational. Someone didn't drop a Nazi flag from the White House or whatever. There's a time limit on that. There's a time period to capitalize on outrage from the American people. And I think a lot of people who were outraged about what they saw on January 6th have long since moved past that and have said being able to afford a home Mm -hmm. and a car Mm -hmm. and food Mm -hmm. outranks whatever concern I might have about some people who misbehaved on January 6th who are being prosecuted. Yeah, the outrage is coming now when they consider the economy or what's happening at the border. Uh, YouGov America just did a recent poll, and this is interesting the way they worded it. They didn't say, who do you want to vote for? They said, regardless of who you prefer, regardless of who you prefer, who do you think will win the election Ah, if it's Biden and Trump? Yeah. Trump overwhelmingly 48% to Biden's 35%. But Robert F Kennedy Jr again is not in that poll, correct? Correct. They oh. didn't give him as an option. Okay. But 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 it is momentum in politics becomes reality in politics almost 100% of the time. And the momentum clearly if Trump chooses to run a responsible campaign, and what I mean by that is whether you are the biggest Trump supporter or you're someone who is going to begrudgingly vote for Donald Trump because you don't, you can't deal with four more years of Biden, everyone should have a vested interest in Trump running a responsible campaign. And what I mean by that, we talked about this yesterday, is not focused on throwing Hail Marys into the end zone on second down from his own 30-yard line. I'm talking about blocking and tackling. That is where the line of scrimmage in football is where football games are won. The line of scrimmage in politics is the nuts and bolts issues. It is the affordability of life. It is public safety. It is education. It is convincing people that the border is secure, that our foreign policy, that you feel reasonably safe, that you're not going to be involved in foreign wars or nuclear attacks. Those are the nuts and bolts. And I worry 
that Trump is going to be unable to, whether he got screwed or he didn't get screwed, wherever he, obviously we know where he comes down on that, but wherever the you come down on that, that is in the past. It, you are not. We are not undoing 2020 at this point. We are in 2024, Casey. Mm-hmm. It is time to elect a new president. And if Donald Trump is willing to stay focused on blocking and tackling and are those five-ish things that we just listed, he will likely, and all the votes are counted honestly, and that's a big if, he will become <laughs> the next president of the United States. But if he spends his time on side issues and things that don't resonate with the majority of people, then he's going to get himself in a pickle and potentially give away a very winnable game. Okay, so 2024, new year. Could it be an exciting year for the housing market? Hey, we have a guy. We have an expert. Mark Deedle is going to join us next on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Out here the nights are long, the days are lonely. I think of you I'm working on a Ninety-three WIBC. It is the Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob Casey's here, and I don't know if you know Casey. Yeah. It was kind of a wild and wacky year when it came to buying stuff last year. <laughs> Everything seemed to cost a little bit more. That's yeah. what I've noticed. Well, whether it was a car or whatever, mm-hmm. things were all over the place due to interest rates, mm-hmm. and the housing market was no different. And so, uh, this caught my eye. WIBC.com with the story yesterday. Experts, 2024 may be a better year for buying a home. And mm-hmm. so I said, well, if only we had a guy who could tell us about the real estate market. We do have a guy. It turns out we do have a guy. His name is Mark Deedle, and he joins us now on the WIBC Hotline. Mark Deedle, hello. Hello, hello. Thanks, Rob and Casey. I hope your new year's starting off well. Uh, we're doing great. Now, full disclosure, you do advertise on this radio show, and you advertise because you're one of the best in the business, so you're a great guy to talk to. So, 2024, you're in the business. Is this going to be a good year for buying, selling, or both? Oh, I think it could be a little bit of both, and it's going to change uh, fairly significantly, I think, in 2024, um, as far as what's what the opportunities are right now if you're, if you're in the market buying versus what those opportunities or what it's going to look like from a competition standpoint, let's just say six months from now when, it's, uh, when we're in the middle of the summer. Now, I've, what is the average interest rate right now? I'm sure you know that, don't you? Yeah, I, w- I was actually just looking at some numbers uh, like last night and this morning. I actually tracked somebody. And right now, uh, just really kind of general because there's all different types of programs. But let's just say they're around 6.75. Mm-hmm. And that's actually about two, about 2.5 or about a quarter of a percent higher than they actually were this time a year ago. And everybody seemed to be reporting as soon as the uh, clock struck the new year that 2024 interest rates are going to drop. Do you see that forecast ahead and how is that going to affect the market? Well, yes, I agree. That's what uh, kind of the prognosticators are saying right now. And it's the really the exact opposite is where we were a year ago. But I, you know, I do think we all need to be careful. We're we're really not sure uh, when you kind of track that things. It's still very much job inflation, um, you know, impacts. It really kind of follows that. So whatever the Fed or whatever they want to do as far as trying to control this economy, how they read this economy, 
Um, everything says we're going to get rate drops. Uh, I'm, if I'm a betting person, I'm saying we're going to get rate drops, but I never want to act like I'm 100% certain. But we're definitely facing uh, a better, you know, we kind of have tailwinds this year versus last year we had headwinds. Mark Deedle, our guest, we're talking about the future of the real estate industry, particularly here in central Indiana. So, Mark, you got clients all over the map. You got people that are looking to buy. You got people that are looking to sell. What are you advising people right now? Are you saying, hey, wait, go ahead and do it now, uh, buying or selling, hold off? Where are you in terms of kind of a short-term evaluation? Anybody I'm working with or, or that our team is working with right now on the buy side, we're encouraging it, encouraging them, if you can find the right home, now is the best time to buy. And there's a couple of reasons. Like, uh, we just, you know, Casey, you and I, we just talked about rates coming down. Mm-hmm. So somebody might say, hey, why wouldn't I want to wait until the rates are going to come down? We just don't believe there's going to be enough of a rate drop that's going to have a benefit versus the inventory situation we're in. I still, my number one concern is inventory levels. We still are seeing um, many, many year previous to this inventory numbers that are low. And our point is, is even when we get that increase, and we're hoping we're going to get a bigger increase this year uh, on the seasonal increase that we had the last couple of years, because as the rates come down, your sellers are going to start to say, hey, now we can start to move on with life. Uh, these rates are getting down maybe, you know, close to six versus, you know, in October, they were around eight. So let's put our home on the market. But that's going to be a little bit of a delay. So the issue is, is we're telling our clients right now, if there's not that big of a benefit to wait, if you think the rates are coming down, because conversely, the inventory is going to be so low mm-hmm. and the competition is going to be so high. Values just normally go up between now and the summer, anywhere from 10 to 15 percent. That's just normal. Uh, that happens every year. So just do the numbers. Have your agent, have your um, loan officer do the numbers and really think about, hey, can I find that house now? I'm going to have less competition. It's going to be an easier, smoother uh, process as it relates to getting my offer submitted to the seller. And um, hopefully um, they can be ready to go and they can get in their home and they're facing the new year um, in a different situation than they are right now. So yeah. buy. we're saying buy now. Buy now. Mark Deedle's joining us. Uh, winter always is the slow season. So what sort of inventory do you have? Is it bigger than last year, smaller than last year? And I'm guessing that over the next couple months, you'll see that inventory increase no matter what it is. Yeah, that would be right. As far as uh, we're, we're doing the normal uh, cycle, the normal seasonal cycle, um, inventory levels are going to increase. But everything across central Indiana is down as far as all the key indicators, as far as closed sales, monthly closed sales, new number of new listings, number of active inventory. It doesn't matter what county I pull or what county we look at. Pretty much all the indications are the same and everything significantly less than it was a year ago in December 2022. We're going to get that increase, Casey, but we're still starting at a lower level. Lower than last year, even. Correct. Oh, boy. Yeah, I can sit here and tell you right now. Yeah, December just finished up. So we all, as realtors, we all have the stats from uh, the market review and just active inventory in central Indiana, just active inventory in central Indiana versus last year Mm -hmm. is down over 40%. Mark Deedle is our guest. We're talking about the uh, future of the real estate uh, market here in central Indiana. So, Mark, uh, I am no expert. I just play an expert for real estate on the radio. You are an actual expert. Uh, You always talk about this inventory being 
being so low. Why is that? Because it's not like the state of Indiana went from 7 million people to 10 million people. I mean, maybe we see a little bit of population growth, but nothing that seems to correlate with what we've seen in the real estate industry. Why is the inventory still, uh, still always so low? I'll say uh, there's two factors that I'm kind of looking at that I think it has really contributed. Number one, it is the rates. I mean, people just aren't willing to walk away from rates that they have, you know, that are less than 5%. I mean, you got people 2 and 3%. So when they look at that move, they're going to delay that move. They're going to sit there and stay where they're at. And uh, also, too, there really has been a more of uh, an, a lingering COVID effect as far as the normal cycling out and the normal moving that maybe the baby boomers may have done the last couple of years, we just haven't done it. And I'm in that age group. So those two factors have prevented more homes from coming into the market, maybe even on a normal basis, because people are holding on to that rate. Because uh, right now the benefit of moving doesn't outweigh giving up that financial benefit. Or number two, if they own their home or practically own their home, um, they still kind of held off as far as making a decision um, as far as moving, or they decided to move and they put some money into their homes and they decided to stay there longer, as far especially that baby boomer age. Mark, I'm curious how you do it. Like, we, Casey and I, I mean, we know at some point we're getting fired in radio. Like, you are hired <laughs> to get fired. And we know it's going to happen eventually. Could be so, today, yeah. even. <laughs> so, I mean, I've had a good, basically, what, eight year run at this place. So I'm, I'm okay at this point, whatever happens. Your industry is so chaotic. Like, every day you wake up and it could be different. How do you work in an industry like that because you do it so well well we uh, our team actually looks at uh, what is our market penetration in other words is our business growing as it relates to the available business that's out there and we have a target based on the size of the indianapolis market where we think it should be until you know once you get there it's kind of a diminishing return as it relates to your growth but we haven't hit that point yet and as we continue to see our share of the market uh, in central Indiana increases a team, uh, I know we're growing. But it is. It's like any other business. Uh, you got to just you got to be careful. You got to be cautious. You can't, uh, you know, you got to watch your expenses as far as, you know, your team goes. So, you know, keep your finger on the pulse and keep taking care of your clients. And um, that's, uh, you know, they'll keep coming back to you when you um, when they need some things. It is interesting. Last just in the last few days after the for this week, actually, I've been getting some calls from our past clients um, and I'm telling our team, hey, guys, it seems like we're getting I'm getting more calls right now as far as people thinking, OK, uh, I want to start. I want to get a value on my home. I want to kind of start to think things, uh, think through things, and that's a good sign. But again, the, the time it takes for a seller to decide, get their home ready, and put it on the market versus a buyer deciding, okay, I'm ready to buy. I'm getting approved. The rates are right. There's going to be a lag there, and that lag is what I'm concerned about. That it's going to really just create another situation where inventory is very tight, demand starting to increase because rates are dropping. And it could get very, very competitive. We remember where we were a couple of years ago, and uh, you know it wasn't unusual for to get ten to fifteen offers on a home, a, yeah. a good, nice, move-in ready home. So we just look at everything. We appreciate the opportunity to serve our clients. Uh, that's the most important thing for us. And we can we uh, figure if we continue to do that, we're going to get our share of the business. Mark Deedle, you are the best. Find him at markdeedle.com. Uh, thanks for being an expert in the field and filling us in on what's going on with the real estate industry in Central Indiana. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. It's Kendall and Casey. It's 93 WIBC. It's time to hear from you. Kendall and Casey present voicemails. 
Brought to you by QC Kinetics for non-surgical regenerative medicine treatments at 317-559-PAIN. Play along 317-684-8444. It is time for your voicemails with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. But before we get to that, we have to say congratulations to uh, one of our co-workers, oh. T- Tony Kinnett. Uh-huh. You know, the uh, the Kinnett cast is being uh, hosted by uh, Jerry Lopez right now because Tony Kinnett has been off. He's taking some time off. And... I thought you were going to say Jerry Lewis. <laughs> no, Jerry Lopez. Uh, Tony Kinnett has been <laughs> off because he is on paternity leave. Leave. And his wife had uh, a baby yesterday. Oh, congratulations. James Jack Anthony Kinnett was born. Wait, He's, wait, what's his, wait, what? James, How many kids names does that kid have? Well, his name is James Anthony, mm-hmm. but they're going to call him oh, Jack. Oh, okay, I thought you meant his name was James Jack. I was like, oh, he's doing this royal family thing where there's no. nine, nine names. I'm not on board with that. No, his oh. name is James Anthony. So he only has three names. Yep, uh, and uh, they're going to call him Jack. He was eight pounds and 11 ounces. Okay. So congratulations to Tony Kennett and his wife and their daughter as well. She's got a little brother. Um, Are you with me on the birthdays, though, that the birthday should be about the mother because the mother did all the work? Oh, yeah. Thank you. As someone who's given birth. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you didn't. (laughs) I I want all the glory. My theory on that for years has been all you did is God tapped you on the shoulder Mm -hmm. and said it's time to come out and the mother did all the actual work. Well, the WIBC family has grown by one. Yeah. Wonderful. Congratulations. I I can't wait to meet him. On your your three named kid, the Uh way it should be. (laughs) All right. Let's uh, let's get to your phone call. So you and I had a discussion the other day. It was a rather quick one, but somebody decided they needed to weigh in on it about when you should take your Christmas decorations decorations down. Yeah, I was always told Elvis's, growing up, mm-hmm. I was always told Elvis's birthday. Which is January 8th? I think it's the 8th, yes. Yeah. That that is the deadline. If you have them up after Elvis's birthday, mm-hmm. you're being tacky. Okay, well somebody- Which seems reasonable. Christmas is the 25th. Mm-hmm. That gives you two weeks then to get your decorations mm-hmm. down. Yeah. Okay, well somebody called and wants to set us straight. Hi, I wanted to chime in about the Christmas decorations and when they should come down. And it is not one size fits all. It depends on what the decoration is. Mm. If it's about Santa or reindeer or elves or anything pertaining to the North Pole, they should already be put away for the year. The North Pole is done until next season. If it is pertaining to a nativity scene, don't you dare take it down until after the epiphany. My goodness, I can't believe Micah didn't tell us that. Um, (laughs) And if it's something that's just bright and shiny and pretty and doesn't really have a theme, then there's a little discretion involved. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the epiphany is on Saturday, Oh, by the way. So if you go by her rules... Which would be before the 8th, Mm -hmm. so I would be right. You'd be be okay, yeah. how many times am I proven correct on this show after people, and it's only after people are being, for no reason, brutally mean to me? Mm-hmm. I think somebody's going to prove you wrong later on. Because what is today? Mouth. Today's Thursday. Mm-hmm. The Friday's fourth. the fifth. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow's, so that would give you two days. Yeah. That would give you two days to get your, your, Christmas decorations down. Yep. Okay, thanks. We had a phone call or a conversation about how they're trying to pass a bill in the Indiana legislature that is uh, officially naming the Hoosier state, right? Yes, after Harry Hoosier, mm-hmm. uh, a, a black 
pastor Mm -hmm. and Micah was on and we talked a lot about this and I said, that's fine if they want to do that. I don't have any problem with that. However, it it makes me angry that they have time to focus on things like this. But then when you look at them and say, why don't you do something about my property taxes that have never been higher? They just go and and look at you like you're like you're crazy. So they have time. I mean, let's face it. That is a is a peripheral issue when it comes to the nuts and bolts of the government. You being able to afford to stay in your home or put gas in your car, that is a day-to-day issue directly impacted by the actions of the government, and they don't want to touch that. A little bit more important than the state's nickname, but somebody actually wanted to call and comment about the phrase Hoosier. We are called Hoosiers because of the owls in the trees along the Ohio River in the dark. You might remember they said they heard who, like who's there. It was a damn owl. In fact, we need to change the state bird to an owl instead of a cardinal. There's five cardinals as state birds in America. How about we have the only state that has the owl? I actually like that idea. Because I think it's interesting that there are that many states that have the red cardinal yeah. as their state bird. Well, you would raise an interesting point when we had this conversation. There are leading theories mm-hmm. on how... The Indiana, phrase Hoosier Indiana came. got yeah. its name, and some are far better and like far more likely than others. I think the like Harry Hoosier thing is probably far more likely than whose ears are these, but you don't know for sure. So, are we willing to codify something into state law mm-hmm. that you don't definitively know yeah. for sure, and isn't part of the lure, the lure, the unknown? Is, is not knowing. Right. For sure. Like, do you really want to know? That's an air of mystique to it. Right. There's some things yeah. that the, the mystique and the various people having their various passionate opinions are uh, maybe better than the thing it's thing itself. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, you took, I don't know, a, a three-week sabbatical. By force. Uh, by, by force, of course. Somebody wanted to call and make a comment about who was filling in while we were both out. Hey, guys, just a quick comment. Not really for um, you guys, I guess, but maybe for your bosses. Um, but when you were both out and Brad and Abdul filled in, that was uh, awesome. They are a great team together. If you guys are ever both out again, I would recommend them. Thanks. I thought that was a nice phone call. Well, when we get fired, maybe that'll be our replacement. Right. It'll be the Brad and Abdul show. I mean, I just did sign the new contract. Yeah. So, I you're, mean, you're good. You're it could, pro- could be later today for well, me. Well, but you, I, you know. know, Casey, at mm. any given time, yeah. I am capable of saying something that will get myself removed from these airwaves. <laughs> I will never forget this. Years there ago. may be a contract, but that's no guarantee. Years ago, when Dan Dockett was still at the fan, and he kind of started coming down here and doing stuff with Hammer and Nigel, and he wasn't real familiar with the, you know, Dan's obviously gotten much more into politics recently, but he's sitting in here, and I was filling in for Nigel one day, and he looks at Hammer, and he goes, so who's the most likely to say something to get themselves fired? And Hammer just points right at me and goes, that guy. <laughs> that guy right there. <laughs> so, uh, yes, that, the uh, very thank, many thanks to everyone who filled in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Abdul, uh, Brad. Uh, I love Jim Roberts. Mm-hmm. I'm very, I know. You, I, <laughs> you like it when the dude fills that's in. That's your least favorite, but that's my <laughs> most favorite. <laughs> no, actually, you know what? When he does fill in with me, it makes it easy because we can work on stuff at home. Yeah. And, um, you know. 
obviously we have conversations all the time, yeah. so I'm comfortable I'll, with him. And I could just tell by the look on his face where he's going. Yeah. Whereas sometimes working with Ethan, he keeps me on my toes because I don't know what he's going to say. You mean like when he brings in a box of Nazi <laughs> memorabilia and was like, I can't wait to show this to the audience. Yes, exactly like that. <laughs> um, okay, let's. Uh, we've got one last phone call. Kevin, if we could go to the one called Ty... Because there's a phrase that you say often oh, on the radio. Uh-huh. You say, tie goes to the runner. Yes. It's a baseball analogy. That's correct. Yes. Right? Well, somebody, do we have it, Kevin? Yep. Somebody uh, called, and he wants to tell you that you're wrong. Oh. Good morning, Casey and Rob. Uh, longtime listener, also longtime baseball umpire. Over 20 years with the ISHAA. Rob, I got to call you out on your rules interpretation on a tie goes to the runner. Uh, that seems to be an urban myth. Um, a tie does not go to the runner. A, the rules state that a runner must beat the throw. Um, so therefore, if there's a tie, oh my gosh, uh, stop! Turn it off! Out. Turn it off! Turn it off! No, wait a minute. He redeems himself. Can you sure. keep going? Love the show. Just wanted to set you straight on that because you've repeated it wait many times it. the last year or two. And I never called in, but I thought I would today. Mm-hmm. Also, big Springsteen fan. I've seen 16 shows over the last 35-plus mm-hmm. years. And um, hope to see number 17th in Columbus, Ohio, in April. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Yeah, you should go to a show with him. I know. I was thinking the same yeah. thing. They can talk about the tie goes to the runner rule the entire way that, to Columbus. Exactly. Because that's what I want to do if I'm going to go to a Bruce Springsteen <laughs> show. Best friend. Oh, my goodness. Uh, it's, it's a figure of speech. Mm-hmm. However you choose to interpret your umpiring is great. And by the way, thanks to that guy for being an umpire because nobody wants to be an official anymore and those people get treated like complete garbage and so thanks to that guy for being one of seven people left who's still willing to get screamed at by some uninformed parent because my goodness uh there is a real shortage of officials mm-hmm. now because nobody wants to deal with other people's crap. Yeah. And all the older the parents people are, who lose their minds over again. Yeah, are retiring. Yeah. There's some I read this the other day that there is some little league somewhere who if you get and I wish I could remember where this was. If you get belligerent and they rem- if they kick you out or remove you, mm-hmm. you cannot come back until you have umpired three games. Oh, that's a good you rule. You cannot come watch your kids yeah. play sports. Walk a mile in I my love shoes. That. Yeah. I love that. That's great. Uh, it is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC and Hammers up next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Good morning. It is nine minutes in front of 11. You're listening to the Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIBC and Hammer joining us in the studio. You look amazing today. Oh, thank you. Hi, Rob. Hey, Hammer, what's going on? <laughs> I realized, and this was brought to my attention the other day, I was a crappy friend. I totally blew off your birthday. Yeah, you did. Because December 31st, I mm-hmm. had crap going on, yeah. sick kids, and everything else going on. So yeah. let me be the latest to wish you a happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. So you got a lottery ticket. Yeah, Griff, the sales guy, in his Christmas card this year, he put uh, a lottery ticket in everybody's Christmas card. So this is a festive 50 ticket. Yeah. There are six squares on 
this ticket. Now, yeah. we're going to scratch this on the air here. Now, your goal <laughs> is to find a win symbol. Okay. And if you find the win symbol, yeah. you'll win the prize show. How exciting. Find a 2X symbol. And you're going to win twice oh, the amount of money. Man, boy, nice. See how I rich. did that? I know. The Hoosier Lottery needs yep. me to host a reboot of Absolutely. the Hoosier Lottery. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I, and, I've long, I, and I've long told my story of I was actually asked to apply for a job with the lottery years yeah. ago and went in there and uh, thought I'd be funny and uh, they don't like humor over there. You know what? You, you know, you <laughs> know, I may be out. You know what I said? Um, you know how like in the cartoons when it goes, I said, uh, hey, so before we get started, why don't you tell me just how rigged is the lottery? Oh, (laughs) I didn't like that joke. That's frowned upon, apparently, at the Hoosier Lottery. I'll be showing myself out now. I was like the SpongeBob meme. I'm going to head out now. Like, I want to be the new Mark Patrick. Yeah. Now, I asked Mark Patrick for his permission, and he said no. Oh, yeah. But I still think I could be yeah. a perfect host if they reboot that thing. I agree. And uh, let's make it happen. Can I Can I be, I remember Cal Hensley used to come out and say where the lucky numbers were at the end of the game. Can I, Let's have Rob Kendall come out and tell you where those lucky numbers were. You just were. wear a suit. You come out very low energy. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> All right. So here's what we're going to do. We've got a festive 50 ticket. You're going to scratch these square by square. Okay. All right. Square number one. Hit the music, Kevin. All right. Here we go. We're looking square number for one. a win symbol. Win. Mm-hmm. All I do is win, win, win. Yeah. Looks like I got a drum. That's oh. not going to be a winner. All right, stop the music. Oh, no. So we're 0 for 1. We're 0 for 1. You've got the option now. Yeah. <laughs> you can keep playing Uh-oh. and keep all of the money for yourself. Oh. Yeah. Or you could give it to Casey. Yes. And Casey and I will split the money <laughs> and I will give you free advice on a bet to make. Ooh. I'm going to keep going. He's going to keep going. Here keep we going. go. Okay. Number two. Yeah. Yeah. He's scratching the ticket. We're looking for a win symbol. Oh, no. I got a wreath. Oh, no. no. A wreath. No. So we've got four squares to go. Mm -hmm. So you can continue to go and keep (laughs) all the profits for yourself. Mm -hmm. Or you could give that ticket to me and you don't get anything. (laughs) I'll keep going. Hey, here we go. (laughs) Surprise. Number three. Oh, I got a holly. That's no oh, good. Boy. So we're over three. We're halfway home here. You've yeah. got three squares remaining. Yeah. What are your thoughts right now, Rob? Uh, I, I think my comments to the lottery might have been correct all those years yes. ago. <laughs> Casey. The rigged over there? Yes. If Rob wins anything in this ticket. Yeah, he should split it with me. Okay. Are you willing to go a dollar in to purchase price another ticket if that's the case? Oh. There could be $1,000 on that ticket. You don't know. Rob, are you willing to take this deal where if you win big money, Mm -hmm. anything at all, Casey gets half, but no matter what happens, she's going to buy you another ticket? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he knows I'll buy him. I've I've actually done that before. All right. Okay, so so a deal is in place. Yeah, so you owe me a dollar regardless. Okay, Okay. here we go. Number four. Oh, I got a candy cane. Oh. No Keep good. going. Keep, Keep going. going. Okay. Yeah. Uh, earmuffs. Oh, All right, stop. Boy. Stop. So what? we got one square remaining. One I, square I'm left. I'm either going to get a dollar or you're going to be rich. Uh-huh. uh-huh. This square, it could be, what's the top price here? 50 uh, bucks? I think so, yeah. 50 bucks. Yeah. 25 could go to Casey. Uh-huh. 25 could go to Rob. Uh-huh. It could be any number. Yeah. Let's see what we got. <laughs> here we go. Yeah. Scratching it off. Scratching it off. And? Scratching it off. Oh, it's a skate! Oh, oh no! no! Boo! So if, if I'm right, I think what I'm hearing is that 
this break cost me a dollar. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. But nobody walks away empty-handed when I host a game show. Casey, it's I will true. buy you a lottery ticket it's for true. your dollar that's going to rob. I, I feel like a winner right There's now. There's some sort of second chance code they told me to scratch off here. I don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. Could that's where you got to read the back, and you might have to go to the website or mail something in. That seems like a lot of work. I'll just take Casey's dollar. Well, that was fun. Mr. Burns would be much happier with the dollar. What's coming up this afternoon? You are going to go off the rails. We've got FOP President Rick Snyder, uh, Bobby Burak of Outkick. We're rolling. Thank you, Hammer. Thank looking, you. Looking for a dollar. Oh, one dollar. Give it to charity, Rob. It's Kendall and Casey. It's 93 WIBC.